Welcome to Business Masters, the podcast that gives you direct access to world-leading experts on key business issues. To be the first to know about future shows and to access even more exclusive content, visit businessblueprint.com and subscribe today. Hello, it's Dale Beaumont, founder of Business Blueprint, and welcome to another Business Masters podcast. Today, I'm talking with one of Australia's most successful entrepreneurs, Creel Price. Over the last two decades, Creel has built several successful businesses, one of which was sold for over $100 million. More recently, he's become a published author with the release of his new book, The One Thing to Win at the Game of Business. And our topic for this conversation is how to make smarter and better business decisions. Welcome, Creel. Hi, Dale. Good to be with you. So uh, take us, before we get into the interview, tell us a bit about how you got started as an entrepreneur. Where did it all begin for you? Well, I guess it, it probably really started when I was uh, at the age of 11. I started my first business, a strawberry business, back on the family farm and ended up being quite successful. So I got a bit of a knack for, for business and it was encouraged by my parents to uh, to start up another seven little micro businesses before I left school. Then I had a Another two at university, and that's pretty much how I got the uh, got the uh, the knack of being an entrepreneur. So you started your main company when you were twenty five with just five thousand dollars, and you grew it into a multi million dollar business. How did you get that business off the ground with such little startup capital? Yeah, I think it, 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 you know. Well, first of all, there was there was two of us that started. Trevor Folsom and I. We we each threw five thousand dollars in each, so we had the grand total of ten thousand dollars. And um, you know, it wasn't an easy thing. Um, you know, I think most of our Startup budget went on the uh, the rent deposit for an office in the city and a photocopier. So really, the only way that we we were able to get by was was being very tight on our expenses, um, as you can imagine. And then we did quite a lot of contra deals, essentially uh, bartering how how could we give some of our marketing services um, in return for uh, for other goods that we needed to get the the company off the ground. So that sort of worked quite well. And then I guess the other thing that we we probably cottoned on to just by mistake in some ways was making sure that we sold products where we got the money up front before we had to deliver on it. So rather than having to wait 30 or 60 days before someone paid you, we made sure that the products we were selling were uh, cash flow positive. And you grew that company very successfully over the next 10 years. What were some of the, say, key uh, three things perhaps that uh, helped that company to, to turn over millions of dollars every year? Well, yeah, okay. So, for three things. Wow. So, I, I'd, I'd first of all say innovation is, is was pretty important to our business. We always made sure that we we not only were ahead of the competition, we were trying to to um, you know forge new industries and new markets. Um, and, and through innovation, I, I guess we did lots of experimentation. So, so that would be the first thing. The second thing would be our staff culture. We, we, because we didn't have a big budget when we started, we spent a lot of time and energy in, in building a very values-led um, culture and making sure that we employed the right people. We invested into those people and we, we rewarded them for the, for the work they put in. So I think that was, that was absolutely fundamental to achieving the fast growth that we did. And then I guess the, the last thing would be maybe that we, you know, we were prepared to fail. And I think there's a lot of people out there that just aren't prepared to fail. And, and, it's, and it's not only being prepared to fail, I think it's it's about what you learn from failure, and then you don't let it get you down too much. You just keep keep going because unfortunately that's a natural part of um, part of being in business. And did your business kind of uh, remain pretty true to what you originally kind of the, the product and or service you started with, or like you said, did you did you fail a few times, or or had um, things that weren't quite successful and had to change and pivot and then continue to reinvent? Yeah, it's in, it's quite interesting you ask that because. Uh, the, probably the, the biggest part of our business, our marketing side of our business, 
um, was was really what we envisaged when we first started, but it took a long time to get off the ground. So I think we're in danger of being a little bit um, at the bleeding edge rather than the leading edge. And whilst the the, the market was catching up for what we're offering, we, we did um, run with quite a few other businesses, you know, in recruitment and training and e-commerce and and finance and whatnot. That um, you know, some of those were successful, but the other one, other other ones of those businesses were just. The, the right thing to do at the right time while while the market was catching up to to what we really wanted to be in business for. Mm. Now you eventually exited that business for a very handsome sum at the age of uh, thirty five. Um, how did it change you as a person? Yeah, I wouldn't probably say that. I, you know, I, I guess my my friends and and colleagues would be the best people to answer that. But I I don't think it's probably changed me much at all. I mean. I think when you when you spend a lot of time and energy, it's not like winning the lottery because you've really built this asset up, asset up over time. You really know that you've you've earned the um, the the outcome that you've got. But it's, I'm still very careful with money to this very day. So I'm not one of those people that buys, you know, um, billion dollar islands or um, you know spends all my time um, building possessions. So I don't think it's changed me in that way. What what it probably has given me is a lot of peace of mind that I know that I never have to work another day in my life if I choose not to, which means that I can then focus on exactly what I want to focus on. And, and, and to tell you the truth, the, the more success you achieve, the more you realize it's less about you, it's more about how do you help other people. So I guess that's what I've, but, you know, if there's one thing that's changed in me, it's, it's being less ambitious for myself, but more ambitious for what I can help the, uh, the world or other people. Well, I'm excited to now talk to you about your, your book. Uh, first of all, how did the book uh, come about? Well, I guess it, it came. came um, I've, I've always wanted to put down some elements of our of our methodology, but it it really came together in a lot of ways. With as I as people, I guess, started to find out about our rags to riches story, even though we weren't high profile entrepreneurs by any means. Um, I guess people would start to find out about. I do a few speaking gigs here and there, and and invariably people would you know come up to me and, and ask me you know Korea what was the one thing that enabled you to be one of Australia's fastest growing businesses, or what was the one thing that enabled you to to grow your business to over a thousand people without any um, you know extra capital involved, and you know by the eighteenth time you hear this you think what a ridiculous notion. How can you digest a whole ten year business journey down into just one thing? And then I guess I realised that. You know what? There really was one thing that was more important to business growth than any other. There was one thing that I guess dictated success more than anything else, and that's a concept I call decisionship. Essentially, your ability to make faster, better informed decisions without the angst. So, yeah, can you tell us a bit more about that whole process, which you call decisionship, um, and you've defined what it actually what it actually is. Um, making better decisions. Uh, clearly, that's what we do all day, every day, and. You're, what you're saying is the more successful we are at that, the more successful we'll be at business? Exactly. If you look at some of the biggest success stories, the reason that they were successful was they decided to get into business, they decided to launch a particular product, they decided to hire certain staff or be located somewhere or launch certain products or do certain amounts of marketing. So everything in business can really be digested down into decisions. So you know, there's this whole notion that entrepreneurship can't be trained that, that, that I don't really buy into because if you can make um, training entrepreneurs simple enough, which is really what we've done with decisionship, you can really make sure that people are going to be more likely to be successful. And that's that's really what um, decisionship's all about, is that it is the one thing. If you focus your time and energy to uh, to become better at decision-making, your business invariably will be a lot more successful. 
I know in your book, you've got an entire kind of model and uh, in a way, like a blueprint for, for how someone can make better decisions. Can you just kind of describe to us, um, you know, without the, the kind of the aid of visuals, um, you know, what it actually, what's, what's the model and how does it sort of work? Well, I guess there's, there's three main steps and, you know, none of this is rocket science. The rocket science is how do we help people that have different ways of approaching decisions, make different decisions. But the, the real process is, first of all, you've got to define the decision. And so essentially the question is more important than the answer. And, and sometimes we're so close to our business, we don't really know what decision we should be making. The next step is once you've defined the decision is how do you assess uh, that, that decision? And we help people assess by using their foresight, insight and hindsight. And lastly, it's all about deciding because unfortunately there is a lot of entrepreneurs out there that make a decision and then the next day they'll change their mind or won't implement it. Well, a big part of the decision-making process is, is putting a a step in pr place to make sure that you do implement it and you and you stand by your decision. Okay, so let's like talk about a practical uh, example. Um, let's just imagine you have a staff member. You know, you've invested four or five months into training them, but it's just not working out. They're not the right person. You don't know whether you should just persist and you know keep them on board, but they keep kind of uh, you know falling short of the mark, and you're not too sure. You know, or should I get rid of them and go through the whole process again of rehiring and retraining and taking you know a couple of months to get back up to speed? What in, in your model, what would be going through your head as far as how you'd assess and how you'd make that decision of which way to jump? Yeah, well, I think with st any sort of staff decisions, I'd, I'd be inclined to decide sooner than later. You, you know, it's a little bit like a disease that can really infect not only that person if you keep them on for too long, you're doing the wrong thing by them if they're in the wrong job, but also it can really pervade the rest of your um, your company culture if you're not careful. So a quick decision is, is pretty important, but at the same time, I think it's it's important to think about what the impact is right now, as, as you're saying, it does take a lot of time to get someone up to speed or they might be just around the corner going to turn around and be an amazing employee. And we've had plenty of stories of, of employees that initially didn't seem amazing but that would go on to make a, a big impact on our business. And then the second thing would probably that, that whole thing about foresight, okay, is this person, where are they going to be in two years or five years because building a business is all about backing the right sort of assets, um, not just what you need today. It's about how do we grow people into to, um, to management positions in the future. That's how you're going to really build a fast growth business. So that's, that's the thing that I'd probably start to think of is, okay, how is it going to help us today, but also how is it going to help us in the future? Mm. And what, what are some other key decisions? Obviously, there's lots of different ones we make in business. We make ones in relation to what products or services we're going to sell, the target market, who we're going to uh, be reaching, uh, where we'll kind of do business, whether we'll just be in a particular geographical location or nas national or international. Um, you make decisions, obviously, on staff, which we've covered, uh, marketing campaigns. This is really a, a blueprint for any type of decision, is it? Or just oh, that type? Yeah, yeah no, all, all types of decisions. If you take that last example that you mentioned, their marketing type decisions. I think one of the things that we, we 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 help entrepreneurs understand is that their brain works in binary. Essentially, you know, an either or decision is is, is the best way to go. So, if, if for instance, I was thinking of a marketing decision, maybe I was I'd been approached by a, um, a conference to to hold a trade expo um, at, at at the at the conference, and you know, maybe the cost is five thousand dollars. So. The, the first thing that people would normally do is say, okay, should I do this or should I not do it? And, and I don't think that's a great decision because you can always self-justify a decision. You think, okay, it's only going to cost us $5,000. As long as we make $5,000 in sale, it's going to be a good decision. But you really need to understand there's an opportunity cost with making that decision in your time and in, in other resources that you haven't thought of, like following the, the prospects up. 
So the best thing for me to do is, is to help your brain think in binary is take that $5,000 and come up with a new marketing uh, campaign that you can compare your trade expo to. So for instance, you might say, I could, I could do the 5000 on a trade expo or spend $5,000 on a social media campaign. And then you can start to choose which of these strategies you're going to um, proceed with. I think that's a much better way of making decisions rather than just everything in, in isolation. Mm, that's a great example. Any others like like that as well? Little uh, you know tips around decision making? Yeah, sure. We we split the uh, the the, the um, I guess the the things for entrepreneurs to focus on into four elements, which comes out of our, our twenty twenty challenge program. First of all, that you, you you need to try and increase your sales. So we've given an example of that. The next step would be how do you increase your profit? Well, one of the decision making things that entrepreneurs often go through is is what price should they sell their product or service for? Um, you know, so obviously putting their price up will have an impact on some of their current customers. They might do a slightly smaller volume, but they might be surprised that they'll make a lot more profit even if a few less customers buy their product. The next thing that we focus on um, in that particular program is, is how do we increase your income because too many entrepreneurs aren't really paid their market income and it's not just about more sales. For instance, you can you can tweak a few things around your debtors, debtors and creditors. So, for instance, an example of a decision might be, what's our process to follow up bad debts? Okay, so is it after someone is 30 days late, 60 days late, or 90 days late? You need to make a decision around those things, put a process in place, um, and you'll be surprised how much more cash flow gets generated and then how much more income, therefore, you can pay yourself. And then lastly, a decision around um, a value is you know because ultimately we're not in business to be paid a wage. We're in business to build an asset that's going to be worth something one day. So I guess something that an entrepreneur might decide between maybe would be should I get some debt for my business? Maybe I get a bank loan, or should I get a an equity investor? And we've got a a thing to help you decide between those things called the hierarchy of funding, which really helps you understand how expensive equity funding is compared to uh, going out and getting a loan. And would you recommend that people take on capital in their business? You certainly didn't with, uh, with your initial investment of, of $10,000 and tried to, to actually pick products that you could get the cash up front. Um, do you think raising capital is a good idea or a bad idea? Yeah, it can be. It's really horses for courses. I'd, I'd steer entrepreneurs away from it if at all possible, particularly in the early stages. Until you've got a solid business model and a solid revenue stream and therefore profit, um, it's very difficult to negotiate um, with investors. Also, it's very difficult in this country anyway to raise small amounts of capital. So the time you would spend to raise capital, if you had have spent that same amount of time trying to sell uh, your, your products, you'd find that you'd generate a lot more cash than you would have um, if you were trying to raise capital, because you're an expert at your products, you're not an expert at raising capital, and it really takes a lot longer than you ever thought. You have to give a lot more of your company away than you thought, and oftentimes, you, you know, you might spend 12 months or 18 months and still not get anywhere. You're back at um, um, word go. Let's go back to talking about decisions. Let's just imagine, and it, you know, obviously happens a lot that you make a bad decision. Uh, what happens? What, what what do you kind of you know do next if you know you're stuffed up? Well, I think the first thing to, 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 to uh, one of the things that I hate with entrepreneurs is, is where they get a little bit down on themselves. They have this either pre-decision angst, oh my God, did I, uh, you know, should I make this decision or not? They're like the rabbit caught in the headlights or they have this post-decision angst. They've made the decision and they go, oh, you know, I should have made that other decision. And ultimately, they've got to remember that really entrepreneurship is decisionship. Ultimately, you're going to make some good decisions, some bad decisions. You just got to live with it um, and move on. That's the game of business that you play. So the first thing that I'd 
I'd um, counsel is to split your decision-making into three things, to minor decisions, which maybe need to be right 25% of the time. That might be the colour of your brochure. Uh, major decisions might be hiring a new staff member. If they're right greater than 50% of the time, well, that's pretty good. And then there's mega decisions, maybe getting an investor or a business partner or moving offices or something fairly mega. Well, if you get those right three quarters of the time, you're doing pretty well. So that's the game of business. But if you do end up making a bad decision, um, the, the first thing to do is laugh about it. And the second thing is to, to move on and, and take those learnings to, to make sure that you develop your hindsight. So in the future, you won't make another bad decision um, again. Maybe if you could expand on that, that last point there about hindsight, um, how can we make sure that we don't repeat the same mistakes? Uh, you know, would you recommend sort of you know, journaling or, or uh, just um, you know, having a friend that you can kind of talk to and that, that kind of keeps a record and it has a better memory than you? How do you go about making better decisions? Yeah, well, I think all of those things help develop your hindsight. One of the, the most important things, because entrepreneurs and business owners are so future-focused, but unfortunately, we tend to make the same bad decisions over and over and over again if we don't remember that it was a bad decision. So the, the process I would, I would encourage people to follow would be make a decision and then write down um, a, what, what you think success would be like. So for instance, if we were going to hire a general manager, success might be um, increasing the revenue of our business by $100,000 between now and next Christmas. And the next thing you'd say is, okay, when would I know if it's been the right decision? And you'll say, okay, next Christmas. And then you'll put a diary note in your calendar to remind yourself. So Christmas comes around and it says, Dale, you made a decision to hire a, a general manager back in, um, in April. Um, you said that success would be if you, your business increased by more than $100,000. What happened? You go, oh, you know, I didn't quite get there. And then you need to ask yourself, okay, what are the three things that you've learned from that? The first thing maybe would be, okay, you don't, it takes people a lot longer to get up to speed than you ever thought, that the entrepreneur is a lot harder to replace than you ever thought. And maybe the third thing would be don't hire someone that you know you should go further afield in the marketplace. So, a process to do that is, is we, we've developed a thing called the decision bank where you can actually literally log your decisions in the decision bank and our calendar uh, sends an email to you to remind you, which slowly over time builds your own hindsight. Mm, fantastic. What a great, uh, great tool. Um, clearly, then our success in the future is going to come down to duplicating our decision-making ability with our staff because the better that they can make decisions, then that has obviously a compounding effect. How can we then help our staff, our, our kind of employees, our team members to make better decisions as well? Sure. Well, I think that's a very good point you raise. And, and, and a little bit back to those, the three points that made us successful. I think we, we developed very, not, not early on, probably midway through our business, as our business started to, to grow, our decision support system. And essentially it was how do we get our staff to, to follow a similar process that we go through to make decisions. And when, once you follow a consistent process, if, it is, if a bad decision is made, it's not the person to blame, it's the process to blame, okay? Because too, too often, particularly in corporates, but it starts to pervade smaller business as well, when, when, when something goes wrong, um, there's always someone that we want to blame. At the end of the day, I think it could have been you made the right decision with the right information at, the right, at that time, even though it ended up being not such a good decision. So it's about how do you follow a process and get your staff to follow that same process. Their decision-making will um, develop over time, but ultimately you have to empower people to fail uh, or succeed um, as well. Too many entrepreneurs, maybe because they started the business when they were the only employee, they, they think that they have to make all the decisions and their business is never going to grow if they don't allow other people to make them as well. Yeah, I'd like to just expand on that a bit further because um, as you start to have, have staff, they're going to be making decisions uh, 
that you wouldn't have made? You know, do you just sort of let them go or do you kind of say, look, every important decision, I want to know about it, but then you kind of run the risk of micromanaging, you know, how do you, um, you know, how do you sort of step away and, and um, without kind of getting too involved? Well, a little bit back to my point about minor, major and mega decisions. You say, okay, you can make any minor decisions you want without any involvement from me. Major decisions, okay, you need to, to check with me, but ultimately I'll help you and you'll still be the one that'll make that decision. But if it's a mega decision, well, maybe we have to make that together. Yep. As, you know, maybe um, is, a, is a process that you could, um, you could put into place. One of the things that I did, one of the, the management techniques, I guess, is I, I lost my mobile phone very early in business. And then I realized that people always defaulted to, to wanting to me to make the decision because you know, staff have this thinking that you know, if they make a bad decision, they're going to lose their job. Whereas the next 10 years in business, I decided not to have a phone. So if a decision needed to be made after hours or when I wasn't there, people literally had to make the decision, better for, for better or for worse. And they, that, that, that whole mentality of asking uh, forgiveness rather than permission really pervaded our culture because of that. Fantastic. So any other final thoughts before we kind of uh, wrap up the interview? Well, yeah, I just think just re- re-emphasizing that point about that entrepreneurship is decisionship and just give yourself a break. It's okay to make some decisions that don't, that don't work so well, but make sure that you don't procrastinate decisions too much because you'll lose sleep, sleep over it. Um, it'll take too much time and you might lose the actual opportunity. So, you know, decisive um, uh, personality trait really helps a lot in, in, um, in growing your own business. Okay, and finally, if people want to get a copy of your book, The One Thing to Win at the Game of Business, where can they do so? Uh, well, it's at all good bookstores around the, um, around the country or you can uh, log on to um, accelerateglobal.com and I believe there's a link there that you'll be able to, uh, to buy that book as well. Fantastic. Well, we'll wrap things up there. Creel, thanks very much for your time. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Dale. For more information about Creel Price, please visit creelprice.com. Thanks for listening to another Business Masters podcast. To access more great content or to download your free business plan template, visit businessblueprint.com.